and welcome to another episode of the You're So Quiet podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chelsea Brown. First, I just want to say Happy New Year. I'm recording this just after the New Year. I live in Texas, so from Christmas Eve to New Year's Day, day after New Year's, people are setting off fireworks constantly. So if you hear fireworks in the background or if you hear anything else, no, you didn't because I waited as long as I possibly can to record this episode and still get it for you on time. So yeah, in honor of my last episode on burnout, I actually took three full days off. I took off Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and the day after Christmas, and it was it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible because I still had stuff to do. Like I'd gotten most of my items off of my to-do list, but I still had some end-of-year stuff to wrap up. So I was just kind of forcing myself to take some time off and hopefully give myself a break. But unfortunately, it just stressed me out even more. So what I'm going to try to do moving forward is just make myself take at least one day during the weekend. Clearly not this weekend because I am recording on a weekend, <laughs> but um, take a day during the weekend where I, I won't work, I won't do any of my, my projects or anything like that and just kind of give myself time off, which I've, I've honestly been really bad about doing. So I will try that. But I'll tell you, just taking time off to help with burnout is, it's not going well. It's not going well. And if you're in the same situation and you were trying to take time off for the holidays to help with your burnout and you were just in the same position I was, I feel you. I don't have a solution other than quit your job and go live in a cabin in the mountains <laughs> and hope for the best. So... On that note, let's just jump into what I've been consuming. I haven't been consuming too, too much lately because, I, again, I've had a whole ton of end-of-year work stuff. So my consumption has been pretty limited, but I still have some good recommendations for you guys. So first, we'll do books. Half Sick of Shadows by Laura Sebastian. I told you guys about it two weeks ago. It's the retelling of the King Arthur Camelot era from the perspective of someone who can see the past and the future. This one was actually stolen away from me by the library. At the end of my 14-day rental, your ebook will literally just be removed from your Kindle. And they do send you, like, notifications, so it's not like it just vanishes. But to be perfectly honest, while I loved the concept, I just was not feeling how much the timelines jumped around. It was really hard to keep track of and as soon as I start to get into one timeline I'm thrown into a different one and I'm just like not I was just not into it and that could be why after two weeks I just still wasn't done you know so I don't even know that I'll place another hold for that one because it just wasn't compelling me and like I've said before I'm being very ruthless with my time if a book's just not grabbing me it's not grabbing me one that did hook me beginning to end but still took me like 12 days to finish was The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna. It's set in Texas, 1921, historical fiction. You know that this is not my typical genre, but something I'm trying to do moving into the new year is venturing out of my typical genre and just kind of giving myself more content, more perspectives, more types of content because I don't want to like pigeonhole myself into science fiction fantasy or mystery thriller because there are so many good books out there and if I hadn't 
kind of ventured into historical fiction, I wouldn't have read The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna. It's a story of a woman named Elsa Walcott and her drive to protect her family, even if that means trekking across the country after a drought strikes her farm in the Dust Bowl in 1934. Again, 100% not my normal scene. I'll tell you, I'm actually kind of shocked that I stuck with it. The audiobook is like 15 hours long, so already I was kind of intimidated, I think. But the audiobook narrator, if you're interested in audiobooks, was very, very good. She did the voices, which for me is really helpful when there's more than one character and particularly with more than one narrator. I actually honestly loved this book. I would recommend it to anybody. I would actually read it again. And if you're into like real life survival type books, this is such a good one. Don't be intimidated by the fact that it's set in the 1920s initially. Don't be intimidated by the size of the book. It's almost like 500 pages, which is not insubstantial, but I tell you, it is 100% worth it. If you do like The Four Winds, I would also recommend The Great Alone by the same author. It's like a survival type book, but set in Alaska. A family just moves to Alaska and they're just trying to survive in this wilderness with a cabin that like barely qualifies as a house. So I really, really liked that one. I, I read it a couple years ago and that's kind of why I gave The Four Winds a chance because The Great Alone was so good. I actually might give The Great Alone a reread in the new year and give you guys a review in a couple weeks. I am currently reading Into the Water by Paula Hawkins. I just started it, so I'm maybe 10% of the way through. It's about a woman that turns up dead in a river, and she is not the only one who has been found dead in this river. It's a classic, like, whodunit mystery. It's by the author of The Girl on the Train, which I really liked. This Into the Water book, though, I, I don't know if I'm feeling it to be honest with you. I'm, I'm not really relating to the characters. I'm not empathizing with the characters. I'm not sure I like care what happens and like someone is dead already. So maybe this just isn't the move for me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I just need like a genuinely gripping book to just grab me because I'm tired of renting books that just don't do it for me, you know? I have like a lot of stuff to do, so if I'm spending time reading, I want it to be worth it. I also picked up Wild Game by Adrienne Brodeur. It is a memoir, again, not my normal scene, but it's kind of about an emotionally abusive relationship between mother and daughter. And I'm kind of curious to see what happens, but in typical memoir fashion, I feel like the author is giving me way too much side information and not really driving the plot forward. I'll give it another 20-25 pages, but again, if this thing doesn't grab me, I'm out. <laughs> I am out. I can't handle it. It kind of reminds me of, I think the book was called A Child Called It, and I read it oh my gosh, like 15 years ago, maybe. And that was a memoir type book about a child who was abused. And that was gripping in a way like you kind of can't look away from like a train wreck or a car accident because it was so horrific, the things that this child had to go through. And so much so that it, I can still remember one particular scene to this day. There was one scene where they were being forced to clean the bathroom. Like, as a child, you do your chores, fine. But their mother closed the door, 
put a towel under the crack of the door and had them using bleach and ammonia. And bleach and ammonia together make a chemical that's toxic. So this child is just trying to do their job and do what they've been asked to do, but they're breathing in these fumes that are really harming them and they're trying to get out of the bathroom. So I'll see if wild game kind of speeds up and gives me that child called it kind of feeling where I don't want to look away or I want to look away, but I can't. But at this time, it's not doing it for me just yet. That's all I have for books so far. I don't really have anything on the burner at the moment. Uh, Of course, I have books on my hold list, but I'm still four weeks out according to the library. The one that I'm most excited for is The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. It is a mystery about a woman who thinks she's found the love of her life until he vanishes. So that line alone just really hooked me and I put my hold in for this book like four weeks ago, I think. It it was a while. Um, So I've been waiting a while, but that kind of lets me know that people are enjoying it as well who actually want to finish it instead of maybe people who are returning the book early or whatever. So we will see. I've been watching like a ton of TV (laughs) as one does. I finished Never Have I Ever season two. It's like a lighthearted high school drama by Mindy Kaling. If you want like escapism sitcom kind of vibes, this is the move for you. I finished the whole season and I was interested the whole time, but I mean, it wasn't like cinema, <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't this this groundbreaking thing, but if you want just like some escapism comedy, this is a good show. I'm also still, still watching and just like that, the Sex and the City spinoff or Resurrection, I guess. I still stand by what I said before that this show is like a little bit... <laughs> or maybe a lot of it problematic. I was listening to another podcast called Girls Gotta Eat, and they were talking about this, and they said something like, it's as though the characters were put in this time capsule and were frozen as they were like 30 years ago or 20 years ago, and now they've been unfrozen and they have no idea how to function in modern society. And it's, it's just, I mean, it's just not a good move, you know? It's just not. They had Miranda cheat on her husband and she's having like her queer awakening and that's, I mean, it's fine, but I'm just like, I don't know. It just all seems very out of character for all of them. The only character who seems kind of like she was before is Charlotte. She's always been a good friend and just always the romantic. But otherwise, Carrie, she, I mean... Carrie's never been my favorite character, to be honest. Even re-watching the original Sex and the City, I didn't watch it for her. I watched it for everybody else, to be honest with you. But it seems like in this new rendition of Sex and the City in the modern age, she is an even more horrible person. And to me, that's like reinforced by the fact that her husband just died. She held her husband in her arms as he died and she was upset for a little while and now she's fine. Just kind of like going on about her day. She moved back in her old apartment and I'm just like, you're, you're fine? Like, I, I don't know, man. I really like Sex in the City, so I want to give it a chance, 
but these character arcs better get to move in because having these people be so completely socially illiterate is is a problem because these used to be like the epitome of New York socialite and you're telling me that you don't know how to function in society now I don't know I will still watch it I will still watch it but it needs to needs to get stepping I started Witcher season two and I like haven't watched a new episode in like two weeks and I really couldn't tell you what it is that's just not doing it for me. It kind of feels more like a formulaic show now. It feels like Smallville used to have the freak of the week. Like every episode has this bad guy or situation that is dealt with in that episode and that's kind of what's happening with The Witcher. I think I've watched two or three episodes and it feels very Smallville formula. I like Smallville but it's kind of one of those shows where if you've seen one episode you've kind of seen all of them because even though the the freak might be different, the freak of the week might be different, the fact that Clark is always going to prevail is kind of a foregone conclusion. So that's that's not really a recommendation for me. I am also watching, or I, rather I finished The Bachelorette. I am completely shocked at who Michelle ended up choosing, and I have some feelings. So if you have not finished The Bachelorette, I am about to give some spoilers, so tap ahead probably two or three minutes, because I'll try to make it quick. So Michelle chooses Nate over Brandon. Brandon was the king of making those small moments that she said that she was so into. He obviously was all about her, would do anything for her, but she still chose the guy who's never been in love before. I mean, it's not my relationship, right? So, I mean, if if she's happy, great, but this is a reality TV show and <laughs> I have some thoughts. For me, from the outside looking in, at least, it seems very clear to me and I could be wrong but it seems clear to me that Nate is not ready to be a husband he's never been in love before he's not really experienced in that way he's not a very emotive person and honestly I really didn't get the vibe that he would do anything for her like Brandon would now I think that Michelle is just simply more attracted to Nate and that's fine you're attracted to who you're attracted to I just I don't know. If she was one of my friends, I would do my best to support her, but if she asked my opinion, I would just tell her to be aware because I think a lot of times infatuation can make you kind of blind to what people are actually doing and who they actually are because you're kind of projecting your own feelings and thoughts onto this person. And we all do this. I know I've done this in past relationships, so I get it. But I, I honestly was just shocked because she seems so logical and level-headed, but in the end, she decided to follow her heart, she said. So more power to her. I hope it works out. I'm just doubtful. And now if you skipped ahead, we are done <laughs> talking about The Bachelorette. I am moving on to movies. I only watched one movie. I watched the new Matrix movie. It's streaming on HBO Max currently, and I think it's streaming until the end of January. I won't say I hated it, but I did not like it. I don't think I will ever watch it again. I think the way 
that they were telling the story in the beginning at least was a very like meta experience because they're talking about how the matrix was a video game that was developed and they're talking about bringing it back and how do we want to bring it back and i thought that was very interesting that they're talking about bringing this franchise back inside a franchise movie i thought that was cool but that's pretty much where my compliments to the movie end the continuity kind of sucks uh, Neo and Trinity, if you remember, died at the end of the third movie, but somehow in this movie they're alive and they have to be saved from the pods, and they're the only two left in the pods. Agent Smith is not the same actor, and that to me is kind of disappointing, especially because you're portraying him as the exact same person. They also did not get the same actor for Morpheus, which was also disappointing. And they kind of hand-waved over it, which was really lame, especially because I found out that Lawrence Fishburne was actually not even approached to play Morpheus. And if you have to hand-wave over why he's not there, why would you not even ask, you know? Because the actor for Agent Smith, he just had scheduling conflicts and it just didn't work out. And that, for me, is more forgivable than, and eh, we just didn't even ask him, but whatever here's this other dude it i i mean i <laughs> this movie felt more like a michael bay movie it felt like a lot of explosions and like an hour-long fight scene with very loose plot like the whole point is to get neo and trinity out of the pods i don't know how they're in the pods to begin with because apparently you can bring people back to life now i don't know what was happening I have no desire to watch it again to figure out what was happening. This was like a two-hour movie. I, I, I mean, I don't know, man. I think that The Matrix should have been just left how it was. I think especially The Matrix movie, the first one, was groundbreaking for its time. You can watch it right now, today, and it will still be a great movie. I can't necessarily say the same for the sequels, but I do think the first one was fantastic. And in my opinion, this continuation, this Matrix Resurrections movie, kind of did a disservice to the franchise and felt more like a money grab than anything because the plot really wasn't well thought out and just really does a disservice to the fans, I feel. I know a lot of people are huge Matrix fans and didn't actually like this, this continuation. Now, I understand that people have different viewpoints. Uh, I will also say that Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic are coming in at like 65% for their rating. So like a good two out of three people liked it, one out of three didn't. So I, I, it sounds like I'm in the minority, but I just was not feeling it. From a storytelling perspective, I think that was kind of cool, making it very meta and talking about itself within itself. But yeah, it kind of had elements of like Groundhog Day because Keanu Reeves is living the same day over and over with taking the red pill. And then he runs into Trinity at a coffee shop. Like it was just not, it was not the move for me. And I, I kind of wish that there was like a spinoff instead or something because... Yeah, it just was not, it wasn't good, in my opinion. I do, in some ways, applaud them for trying to revive the series and have a new beginning, but The Matrix being such a cult classic 
I think it should have been left alone. And so, on that note, we are about at the end of our time together. I will see you guys next week. I know I'm not really a New Year's resolution kind of girl, but this year I, um, I'm doing resolutions. So we'll talk about it next week. I'll share what my resolutions are. In the meantime, I'd love to hear what your resolutions are moving into the new year. You can contact me and find me on Instagram at your so quiet pod, Y-O-U-R-E, so quiet pod. You can visit my blog and website at cbrownauthor.com. And as always, please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help out your favorite introvert.